Okay, we're back with That's What She Said, The Office Podcast. Chris Curtis, how are you today? Very well, Lucy. How are you? I'm great, thank you. So we wanted to start with the Fire Festival documentaries on Hulu and Netflix. Right. Uh, Mutt had asked to join us, but he is not here. Mutt was uh, adamant that he'd be a part of this earlier this week. He's mentioned it several times. He was actually going to be part of the first one we ever did, rumored to be part of the first one we ever did. He started those rumors. <laughs> Correct. And I'm breaking the chair already. Um, he... That's the second chair you've broken this week, <laughs> just to be clear. I had, I had three of Dale's muffins this morning. Oh, that, that explains over. it then. So, sorry, Dale. Uh, LaGuardia. But so we... Loves LaGuardia. <laughs> he loves it. So uh, anyway, so he wanted to... He is obsessed with the Firefest. Screw the Patriots. Screw the Super Bowl. He has been all hands on deck, all in on the Firefest documentaries. So why doesn't he talk about it on his show? Because Jerry Callahan hasn't seen it. And he, last night, I don't know if you heard this this morning, but last night, Jerry said that he had technical difficulties with Netflix and oh he couldn't God. figure out how to watch it. Literally, you go to Netflix and it's the first thing you see when you right. open up your Netflix. So was this an excuse? Did he not want to watch it? Was he actually going to watch the Fire Festival documentary? Well, I don't know because Reamer had watched it. Of course, watched of course, it. Reamer watched it. Right. Reamer bought tickets. Like, <laughs> Reamer started it. He was yeah. nude. Um, and the, uh, but what I wanted to ask Jerry, but I didn't think of it at the time, was, well, if your Netflix isn't working, that means your internet's not working. That would be the only reason right. your Netflix didn't work. And I know his internet was working because he has to. He, well, there's no way Jerry goes a night without reading Drudge and going on FoxNews.com. Of course, so, Britt McHenry Twitter.com. Right. <laughs> Ooh, Britt liked it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Look at these maggots. Uh, so anyway, so uh, we were going to discuss it today, but Jerry hadn't seen it, and Jerry is adamant that you don't talk about it if he hasn't seen it. We had this with okay. Gleason and Kirk a couple years ago, and the guys. Kirk mentioned how great it was, and Kirk is usually pretty spot on with recommendations right so that night i ordered it and it was like 16 bucks but whatever i ordered it and watched it and jerry was like why did you order it 16 bucks uh, i'm not gonna order it yet Duh, da, da. so uh anyway oh, no. so we didn't talk about it for like six months we talked about it like when the vhs came out for gleason because jerry hadn't seen it yet right so in this case um we didn't talk about it because jerry stonewalls any discussion on the show when he hasn't when he cannot be a part of it right so we we're gonna have mutt on to mutt how are you today Mutt, Not here, but Jeez, you're so short. <laughs> yeah, so he invited himself on our podcast and then did not show up. Correct. So just classic Mutt. Put it mm-hmm. in the list. Another mm-hmm. another Mutt moment. Great. Well, yeah, I was talking to him in the hallway about it and he the other day, and he said he had some hot takes, and I said, save him for the podcast, and now he's not here for the podcast, so we're going to have to wait on those. <laughs> so it's like a normal Mutt and Callahan show. We are free from any Mutt hot takes. There's <laughs> no Mutt hot takes at all. It's every day. <laughs> Yes. Well, my hot take that I told him and he said I was wrong is that the people who bought tickets to this, maybe not completely to blame, but they're idiots. They're complete stupid people for buying tickets to this. They are classic millennials who have enough money that, you know, for some reason want to people who go to music festivals, people who go to music festivals bother me because they're all about this lifestyle of like, oh, I'm going to go to a music festival. And like all the stores are like, get festival ready for this. And like, this is this is nauseating. So these people, this is that's why this is fantastic. This documentary shows these people getting ready to go, and they're all excited. And I'm like, you are the dumbest people in the world for buying tickets to something that you have no idea where you're going or what it's going to be. You don't investigate the guy who is running it. I mean, that's what I would do if it was a brand new music festival, right. and like Bella Hadid is swimming in the Bahamas. Right. The Kardashians and like, are 
Instagramming or whatever. Right. And that whole thing, too, it's just it shows how social media can make you believe anything. Right. It, it was it really is a uh, it's a great documentary on just the scumbag Billy McFarlane. Yes. But the corollary to that is how much of a sort of mirror it places to our society, because you have people who are so desperate to be viewed as important and the power that these Instagram influencers carry over people our age is amazing and the fact that i honestly think if billy mcfarlane had just said we're canceling it but we're sending you the ticket stub that said you were there people might have just been fine with that because they could go and say we were there and here's what we were and instagram some photo of some brochure honestly like, like if he had sent out pictures like you can post these pictures of the island right, superimpose yourself here yeah exactly or take a picture exactly of the ticket stub of whatever then here you go but he wants to swindle people that's what he does and he he doesn't want to make money the right way he because i don't know if he knows how but he cons people over and over again like you said bernie madoff you right. mentioned the hbo documentary about madoff it's kind of like that two different areas of of conning people one with you know the thing with Madoff is you think you can trust him because it looks like he's a guy who you can like he has a, a job title and a job that you can give him your money and he'll invest it and everything but Billy McFarlane has no job title and they said in one of the I forget which documentary they said he can't explain his job so you wonder if it's real right I think the biggest similarity between Billy McFarlane and Bernie Madoff is that they were able to get powerful, powerful people within the fields that they were looking to exploit to trust them. Exactly. So when Bernie Madoff, he got the bankers and all these boards he was on. So it was owners like, of the Mets. Right, owners <laughs> of the Mets, and and so and he was uh, got charities to be involved. So people viewed him as well. If these charities are investing with him, then we can, which makes it even right. more heartbreaking that these charities were you know screwed over by this evil guy. Right. But with Billy McFarlane, he got people like Ja Rule. And he preyed on the society's obsession with power and fame by utilizing the, the influencers and others to really create this market that didn't exist from thin air. Yes. And, you know, it starts with his, you know, that he owns an island. Right. And the first thing the person who owns the island stipulates in him using it is that he cannot mention Pablo Escobar's name. And that's the first thing he does in the first brochure. So they're kicked off the island. I mean, but it is a, a really interesting look at how power-hungry and fame-seeking our society has become. Because in today's era, you can be an overnight sensation. And the these music festivals and the way they sold, sold them was sort of an avenue for these people to get to this exclusive island surrounded by fame and wealth, and here's your place for a weekend to feel like you're a part of that. And so he's, you know, obviously uh, belongs in jail, total asshole, but, you know, certainly is uh, an incredibly smart guy at figuring out how to uh, manipulate an audience. Exactly. To his credit, he understands why people do what they do in terms of seeing something on social media and then wanting it or wanting to go to that thing. So he's creating this experience where he uses words like lux and modern and NYC and like <laughs> these things that are desirable to people. And putting the ocean. The ocean and the colors in the promo and right. the, you know, the, the cabanas and um, like the music festival is almost like a backdrop to it because right. you don't hear about who's going to be there at first. You just see that it's island models, colors, you know, alcohol. You have to be rich to go. That whole thing. You can meet Haley Baldwin and Bella Hadid and all the like Victoria's Secret models. And that's people see that and they jump on it no matter what. Because they're like, I have to be there so that I can show all my friends on Instagram that I was there. Right. They're selling. It's almost like, you know, how like our parents might go to like be interested in going to Red Sox fantasy camp. Yeah. Like, you know, or like guys who want to go meet Larry Bird. Well, 
this is a millennial fantasy camp. It was Absolutely, the yeah. ability to be the all the first uh, videos and, and images that were shared on Instagram were of hot women in the sun on yachts surrounded by alcohol and you know just oozing sex yeah. you know that's what it was and, and it was like people guys and girls want to be the ones that are in those images and that's exactly what he did i mean he basically created a massive con just out of sex appeal hot weather and good looking ocean right that's all it took and then basically the whole thing was the video it turned out like that's it that was their they said at the end that was their par- their party their vacation was shooting this the promos and the videos and everything and then nothing ever came of it and the funny uh, not funny but the interesting thing is that our demographic you're younger than me but you know the the 25 to 35 year old demographic is really impossible to capture right now because we're all watching TV differently. There's everything's on demand, DVR, listening to things radio. on Spotify. Com. Radio.com, which is a great place. It's the future of radio. The future of podcasts. Podcasts. We yeah. love it. Great spot. Uh, and so, <laughs> organic. Uh, and so, the um, what these media um, marketing people and all these advertising guys, you know, they were at Coachella and all these other festivals, are so thirsty get into our demographic that they viewed this and they were like we have to get involved like they see the social media buzz surrounding this and it's like people are just throwing money at something without even looking at it exactly they have all these investors Ja Rule got involved in this he probably knew it was a scam right but Billy McFarlane somehow they all say he's charming obviously you have to be charming to be I guess this he like, just doesn't, it's so weird he doesn't he seems like such a douche I guess he you also know. looks socially awkward like there's gotta but he's not like he right. looks like he would be like the, just his the way he I don't know I feel what, like we about all had him. a friend like him kind of chunky yeah. in the back like kind of yeah. always had like a story to tell that you thought was full of shit yeah but like his business him. ideas right. and you're like I don't know if this guy is for real like oh it's, he's a fun guy to hang out with but like not for right. real he's like a guy who goes to a casino and says he's up five grand right really exactly yeah yeah exactly so yeah we don't know anybody like no. that so um yeah so he it just seems like trusting him like jaw rule probably he said to jaw rule um we could make this happen this will happen this will help your career you'll be you know part of something new and great and and connect with this audience yes and- exactly with this audience that forgot about you right. because you're you know a 90s guy <laughs> i had not a jaw rule in right. forever exactly and then you see he's part of this and 50 cent is laughing he's right. like how did he get involved and then jerry's never- like um many men <laughs> well jerry rapping <laughs> it's yeah so which documentary do you think was better I I liked Netflix okay, yeah, because I just for me I, I just was so the, the neurotic like videographer the the way in which they the um the people on the uh, the guy on the island who they fired and the, the the honesty of Billy's friend the gay guy I don't know his name yes uh, yeah the one with the water right I mean that scene in and of itself was unbelievable yeah and it was totally trustworthy for me like I. I don't know why he would ever lie about that. Yeah. But it was a um, that 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 was I don't know. I like that better. I mean, obviously, hearing from Billy in the interview and all that stuff. But I I prefer Netflix. Me too. I think the the Netflix one drove home the point that this is wrong and this is terrible and what happened is terrible. The Hulu one had more like music and was kind of light and at times. And the Billy interview was good, but then I wonder who. I've read somewhere that like Netflix is connected to somebody involved in it and then Hulu's connected to somebody else. So you wonder who is like what is real, what is not, but the, I mean as an entertainment standpoint, the Netflix one I think was a a better drove home the point that 
like this was a complete disaster. The Hulu one was a little bit more airy and right. kind of. I like, think Netflix certainly had a time. There was a girl from Vice and others that I feel like there was a. They were given a lot more color and yeah. behind the scenes access, like the the audio yeah. of Billy McFarlane firing everybody, like. Yep, and he was like, I don't know if we should have a problem with the FBI. I don't, you know, like, I, you don't really have jobs. You have job, uh, was it job titles, but there's no, or whatever. I forget what he said. Like, you're not fired, but you're not right. really. And then the woman jumps in, so we can't yep. ex- we can't apply for unemployment. Because... He had no idea what that meant. He, he's like, I don't know how that affects employment. What kind of businessman are you? Like, right. he's not one. That's the whole thing. But one thing, though, in terms of, like, not putting all the blame on Billy, the guy, there was one guy with the beard and yeah. the sort of ponytail. Like, at the beginning, he he seemed to know that this was bullshit. Yeah. And he's like, you know, and he kept saying, either this guy's full of shit or he's the most brilliant guy around. Well, if you're with him, you know he's not the most brilliant guy around. Right. Like, I feel like there was a lot of people that maybe not could have put a stop to it, but he didn't send the email saying that this is untenable until literally the night before yeah. the event. Oh, God. what a, It's just... It, so, I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like Billy was wrong, and I agree he's the one who should go to jail, but there were a lot of people that were blindly putting their faith into this guy. Exactly. Every con man has people... The only reason that con men are successful is there are people that believe him. And I feel like I would I would believe Billy Madoff more likely than I would believe Billy McFarlane. Like right. something like this, I would be so skeptical that it would work. But people just don't think about it. And they going back to, you know, Well, Instagram. you think about Madoff, people were investing their entire retirement exactly. with this guy. Yeah. So if a close friend at your golf club or at the, the town hall or whatever that you, you're friends with says that they've invested and they show you that, that they've invested with him, well, you know. You, you really don't have a lot of alarm bells in your mind. Right. Especially before Madoff, the Ponzi scheme world, I didn't really know anything about exactly, it. Exactly, right, right. But the final point on this, if I could. Yes, please. You made this point to me. The Mutt tie-in. Oh, yes, with yes. Craig Carton. <laughs> yes. And Billy McFarlane. Selling tickets to this. I mean, he had to have been. Yes. I mean, this, is a, this is a Mike Mutnansky, Craig Carton special. Either Mutt bought tickets to go himself or and or he bought a bunch of tickets to sell to people. Right. And he Mutt was in Mutt, I think Mutt and Billy McFarlane are friends. And they are in on this together. Right. And that's why when I said to Mutt, the people who bought tickets are dumb and he said no, that's where alarm bells wow. went off. And I thought he's one of the people. Absolutely. It all comes together. Absolutely. Definitely. And that just, yeah, it's just, he, he would have his, as you said, he'd have his shirt off the whole time. Yes. This is on an island. Oh, beer. Beer. Every, pigs are drinking beer. Everybody's drinking beer. There, that wasn't, part, there wasn't any food, which is fine. Right? Yeah. just wants beer. He could intermittent fast for days. It was a four-day fast at the festival. But is there a gym on the island? Ooh, good point. And maybe he'd get a cabana with a gym. Because he sold the tickets, right. he would be promised a cabana with or a gym. Or maybe he had like a, a Bowflex delivered. Oh, that's true, too. He could bring that with him. Right. Yes. Check it and with the water. <laughs> yes. And people said that they, they quit their jobs to go to this. And then they just show up and there's nothing. It's unbelievable. I it is, I feel like those people deserve to lose their yeah, jobs. This is what I'm like. Natural selection plays right, a part darling. in this. And like, how dumb are you? Right. You're going to quit your job to go to see Ja Rule on a random island without and knowing not, anything? Is Ja Rule even performing? Right, like, it's knows? Blink-182. <laughs> and, and, then, they and they cancel. And then everybody else cancels. And then whatever Kanye's like good music thing is. Right. It's like, was Kanye even? It's just so dumb. It's so, people weren't even thinking about the music. No. It was all about being seen and what yeah. is Mutt Love most? Being seen. Right. Yes. And being tan. Yes. And intermittent fasting, gym. Booze. Kai, gal. <laughs> I'm not a car gal. What are you talking <laughs> about?
um yeah so that those are the two documentaries yes very good recommend them highly recommend them highly hopefully recommend jerry them. can function his uh, tv yes his netflix he can unlock that <laughs> and get on to netflix pw yes um but we are here today to get into episode four of the office yes the alliance what an episode it was so this is the episode i feel like the office really gets rolling right. like it is rocking by now we know all the characters have their places they have their interactions we see less character introduction and more character development correct and w- the the opening of the scene, which is a good sort of, um, I don't know what the term is, but uh, you look ahead, you have, at this point, you have no idea who Donald Trump is, and Michael Scott impersonates Donald Trump at the height of the apprentice at this point. He says, I don't like to say, you're fired. If I had a catchphrase, it would be, you hired. <laughs> and it was just totally playing for the camera, yeah. NBC synergy yep. with this, and it was it was just hilarious thinking back to that's now our president right. and this is Michael Scott impersonating. Yes, and he says you're hired and you can work here as long as you want, but that's not reasonable. <laughs> that's not a, a like realistic. Right. So he yeah, but he that's he wants people to know this is Michael Scott throughout the whole thing is that he wants to build morale. He mentions morale in this episode maybe 20 morale times. Morale booster, morale. Yep. That's not time. good for morale. Like if, with the birthday card with Meredith, which we will get to. Um, he, he's like, if what would people think if I just wrote, oh, hey, Meredith, happy birthday. You're the best. Love, Michael. That's not good for morale. Like right. this, it, It's dark times out there. And so that's well, that, just to stick with that, because I wrote yeah. something down on that. Okay. The, the Michael Scott point in that is that he is always performing. Yes. Yes. So, yes, yes and yes. he thinks that his employees expect that out of him. So not they do would not. It, it would be <laughs> negative for morale because. He has to put in a great message into this birthday card that's a month and a half early for Meredith. That's right. There's that point. (laughs) uh, Because they would be so down if their boss didn't write something witty or funny. He thinks it will make or break what the day is if what he he cares so much about pe- what people write on that birthday card oh my god and he's like read every everybody what they wrote and their <laughs> names and everything and so Meredith, well, anyway so we'll, we'll get, we'll get to, that, to that but, but that yes. was just one thing there that was um that it just mm-hmm. goes to the the exact personality that michael is is that he has to be center of attention and how much pressure he feels to perform for people who in reality could give two shits other than to just get there, get their paycheck, and go home. Exactly. Like in the, the episode last time where Michael comes up to Pam and Jim and they're talking and he says something to Jim and Jim rolls his eyes. Like everybody just rolls their eyes when yep. he's around. He doesn't, I don't, he doesn't get that. He even, maybe he does. Maybe he does get that, but he wants to move past it and make them forget like, oh, I want them to like me. That right. kind of thing. So he just, we'll, we'll get to that. I, right. I have more thoughts on that. But he, so, <laughs> so it. Starts like Dwight is outside the bathroom, like wondering if there's downsizing. Michael comes out of the bathroom and ambushes him and is like, it, Will there be downsizing? And Michael says, No, there will not be downsizing. The next scene, he says, There might be downsizing. Right. And this is back to back episodes <laughs> yes. now where there's been an ambush outside of the men's room. Exactly. That's where to get him. That last episode, Kevin, Kevin. came up with the great idea that he had to leave somewhere. <laughs> he has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and so this time, Dwight, who who is. Great, because he thinks he's coy and that he's like slick and he can get around things. And he is the most clumsy, non-secretive employee at Dunder Mifflin. But he prides himself on being like in on the know when he doesn't know anything and being able to like get around the office and know everything. And right after being told there's no downsizing, I I think this is right next, is when um, Kevin is gossiping at the water cooler. And... He's sitting there all pissed off because all of the gossip is spread at the water cooler. 
So he moves the water cooler right next to his desk. <laughs> For maintenance. <laughs> For maintenance. Who was working on it? Is he doing the maintenance? Right. We, right. Well, yes, he probably is like for, yeah, for maintenance. But the, the reason is that he brings his own bottle of water to work. Right. So he doesn't need to you go to the water. You would love Intercom. Pool. One Ex- thing. Exactly. Yes. He'd be a big one thing guy for sure. Radio.com is great. Radio.com guy for sure. <laughs> uh, oh, Dwight would totally be. Um, yeah. So also we see Dwight trying to have some sort of power. Like he wants to... Not even, even if he doesn't have power to think he does, to right. know that he has some power. He wants to know everything right. that's going Information on. Information is power. Yes, yes. And so they, we have, again, the assistant to the regional manager, assistant regional manager back and forth with Michael and Dwight. Um, and that's a you know a constant. But that's right. Dwight wanting power and Michael not even caring right. Even if it's power. fake, he just wants to be able to say something. You know, later on, we'll see with like deputy, sheriff, yes. you know, whatever, all that stuff. He's obsessed with having titles right. and to feel Senpai. like- Senpai. Right. <laughs> I was given <laughs> two employees of the month in lieu of a pay raise. <laughs> <laughs> so he much prefers having uh, titles and that's, power than money. That's a great point, actually. Um, but then we see Michael and his big plan Senpai. to boost morale. <laughs> Sensei, it's Senpai. <laughs> we'll get there, too. Yes. That's actually, I think, it's, is that, no, that's not the next one. Sorry. Um, so uh, Michael's big idea for morale is to figure out whose birthday is next and celebrate it. Because he has started. This is his own doing. Yes. He People are fearful of downsizing because he is spreading the rumor that there may be downsizing. Yes. So now he has to dig out of his own hole. And so he calls Pam in. And he says, whose birthday is it? Yep. And-, and then he drum rolls until she tells him that there's no staff birthdays this month. <laughs> so then they pick Meredith, whose birthday is next month. Right. And he said, we'll do it anyway. It'll and- be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. He, yeah, that just shows how desperate he is for a morale boost. Like, right. he will pick, like, someone's birthday is in November. We'll do it now. And it's and it's equally the morale boost, but it's also, more importantly to him, it's not working. Right. It's something to do where he's he's part of the he's center of attention. And he doesn't have to worry about work because right now his main concern at this failing paper company is to boost the morale with a fake birthday. Right. No work is being done. He doesn't do any work. The work is the morale for, I don't know what the, like, this is a means to some end that he has no idea. No idea what's going on. Yeah. So then we see the party planning committee. And this might be, I don't know why, but this might be my favorite part of the episode where Phyllis is like, well, maybe we could, it's stupid, forget it. Like, (laughs) this is funny the way she does it. Well, it's so brilliant. That's her first introduction (laughs) to the party planning committee so it just shows you right off the top how awkward this room is because right. if you were to watch a sitcom and you see a party planning committee you'd think it would be something fun you know yeah it's it sounds like a cool thing to be a part of within a company especially for these women and it turns out it is this group of death yes that because is- of angela it seems so i mean it is but we don't know that yet so right. pam is kind of the middle person here literally and figuratively in the two sides of Angela and Phyllis. So Angela has a stick up her butt and Phyllis, <laughs> we don't even know Phyllis yet, but right. she's very she seems timid. Very timid. Yes. So she's <laughs> stupid forget it. And then they're trying to figure out what color streamers right. to get. So the little thing like streamers, they cannot which they don't even need. Right, streamers for a birthday <laughs> that's a month away where nobody's expecting anything and because there's a morale office needs morale boosting. Like that's where we're at right now. And they're taking time away from working like sitting in the conference room could be ringing like the receptionist uh, right phyllis could be making sales angela could be accounting something the planning the party planning biatches as michael calls them (laughs) pam kind of looks like she knows that they are taking time away from work and this is pointless she's kind of like well no one's getting along this party's dumb and i have to sit here 
right. and deal with this. Right. She's exasperated about the whole thing. Right. And she's rolling her eyes at Angela. Like, right. why can't we just get this done? This whole thing is stupid. <laughs> And so she was there. She's the one that said Meredith's birthday is next month. So she knows what is happening. She knows Michael's intention here. Right. It's totally not pure. It's just to get attention. It's just so Michael can boost morale. When all, all anybody cares about is keeping their job. And this does nothing for that. It probably prevents people from keeping their job because none of them are working. Right. But my favorite thing within the party planning uh, part of this episode was uh, – something you showed me the 80s party newsletter oh my god i was when i texted you about this i didn't even like i don't even know what i wrote i was so excited to find this i was like i'm watching the alliance of the uh i found this or whatever and i don't even remember i was so excited because i had never noticed that design town i paused it and i checked it out it was by it said uh the newsletter was was uh designed by design town and it just says there's a bunch of words here we're doing this to fill space yes. on the party planning committee newsletter. Yes. Thanks to Design so Town. They say um, in the episode, they say um, like, oh, well, the party planning committee threw a great 80s party. So then they show the newsletter with a picture of Dwight and Michael from the 80s party. But then you look at the newsletter. I had never looked at this so close. And it just says, welcome to yet another exciting edition of the Dunder Mifflin Employee Newsletter. Thanks to all the staff and new contributing writers for putting this together for all of you. And also, yeah, Design Town. And then it says the next paragraph. Design Town makes your uh, information faster and quicker and cheaper and happier. There's no commas. There's no. So the next paragraph says, as anybody can easily tell, this newsletter doesn't really have a lot to say. It's really just a prop to fill some space and sort of look like a newsletter without really being much of a newsletter at all. By typing a lot of words in two columns on the front of this page, we can achieve the look of a newsletter without really reporting much. So it's like that. But I think that might be a joke within the writer. Like right. they had to put this on the screen. So like, what do you write? And nothing happens at the office. That's a, a metaphor for how nothing happens there. Right. That's of note. But they're making a documentary about it. So there must be something of note. And this is also a good sign early on that the care that the writers have yes. to fill this with that. You know what I mean? Like yes. it, it could have just been an old story with random, you know, something else. You right. know what I mean? But they like actually, Dwight, you know, top the sales is whatever. Right, yeah. Right, right. The employee of the month was whoever. And it was just th- like meandering design town, just dumb. But right. yeah, I definitely <laughs> quicker and faster and cheaper and easier. <laughs> but, Oh my god! That was I cannot tell you when I saw that I was like I gotta text him right now. I didn't. I said I'm watching the. I didn't even capitalize it. I was like I'm watching this. I'm so excited. Um, that was. I can't wait to talk about. I this. don't even. Know. It was just so funny because it. As we're watching this again, picking up on things that we'd never seen before. Absolutely, and yeah. then and with so the, after that they go back to the um the party planning committee. Yes, I yes. believe no, or Michael's in the room. Well, the what I noticed about the party planning committee is Angela and Dwight in the parallels between them. So within their little worlds within the office, they both want power. Right. Dwight wants power with Michael in that world, and Angela wants power in the party planning committee. So they both have their own ideas. So that's why they're good together. Right, and and um yes, exactly, and they're both neurotic. Yes. About everything. Yes, and then Michael with Meredith's dairy allergy. Right. Mer- Michael, so this whole thing is to boost the morale, and we're doing this for Meredith. And then he says, we got to do an ice cream cake. And they were like, well, she has a dairy allergy. And he's like, well, the cake's not just for her. She's not the, gonna, the only one going to be eating it. So, mint chocolate chip. Mint chocolate chip. <laughs> and it's just, oh and they're just sitting there like, what the hell is going on? Yes. And then we come to the alliance right. itself. And we see that Jim has a plan for Dwight, where Dwight asked him to be in an alliance, in an alliance, and Jim says, absolutely I do. And yes. that is the line that he and Pam use whenever Dwight asks them if they want to do anything. Anything. And it's 
phenomenal. And my favorite thing about this is Dwight gets uh, tells Jim about the alliance, what they're going to be doing, and he says, absolutely, I do. And then immediately he goes and tells Pam yes. what this is all this about. Is, when he had just swore to secrecy with yes. Dwight, like, this cannot leave us. We have to do this together. Right. And Dwight is, like, looming, looming. over Jim. And he's like, uh, Jim, I need to talk to you uh, uh, about uh, paper products or something. And he's like, okay, like so obvious. And then he is able to convince Dwight that he's just gathering information. Right, I'm using Pam for the alliance. And Dwight is like, oh, okay. I'm going to be at the reception a lot. We're right. going to be gonna laughing. Be laughing. <laughs> and then, and then uh, Jim, uh, we see that he really does dedicate his life to annoying Dwight. And he admits it. He says, I spend all day trying to figure out ways to annoy him. And now I found a way to get him. But the interesting thing is, is that Jim says that this is his first chance to get back at Dwight. Oh, so my right. th- my thing is, is that I wonder if like the t- I don't know if this has always been going on, but early on, we've noted that like Dwight has been outside of the jello that that uh, Jim did uh, when Jim put Dwight shit in the jello. Right. Um, there's been a lot more where Dwight has either been equal in terms of fighting back or the aggressor. So I wonder if, like, this is all flipped now that the cameras are there. Jim's like, fuck it. I'm yes. going to do this. Yes. And he also definitely sees going after Dwight as a means to get closer to Pam. Absolutely, because they are both in on it together, which brought me to the thought that the real alliance is Jim and Pam. There it is. So that's when they say the alliance, as the title of the episode, do they mean Dwight and Jim or do they mean Jim and Pam? Ooh, because they are really working together on they this They actually are working together and have secrets, and Dwight and Jim have no secrets because Jim tells Pam everything. Immediately. Yes. Um, so then, yeah, so then we go back to the birthday, and Michael has this birthday, bir- happy birthday card. <laughs> it's such an awful it's card. so corny. <laughs> and so he um, is trying to figure out what to write in the card, because it is very important to him, because- it's Meredith, Essential. Yes, it is very important that he writes something funny, because this is what, because of morale. morale. It all comes back to morale, and that's why he needs something funny, because everyone will see this. Right. Like, everyone- um, who is, you know, Meredith will read it, but he wants her to read it to everybody. So if they see he's funny, they'll like him, morale will be boosted. Right. And they'll respect him more because the yes. only way he feels that he can be respected is if people laugh at his jokes. Yes. Um, so this is kind of, he said, this is make or break. What I write in this card is make or break for the office. It's dark times out there. They're worried about their jobs, but that's because of you. The whole thing is his doing. Like, this whole thing is all because he's the one who spread the rumors about what's going on at the company. And the one thing that he suggests that's good to write, he, like, makes a gagging noise and he's like, ugh, imagine if I wrote that. But that's what you should write. Right. It's it's all about him. I wrote the same thing. It yeah. always has to be where he writes the best thing. He's the one that makes everybody laugh the hardest. But my one of my favorite parts of this episode was after this when they, uh, Dwight and Jim are continuing their sort of alliance and they see Toby and Kevin in the break room. And he's like, what do you think they're talking about? And he's like, I'll go in and investigate. And he walks in and he's like, hey guys, uh, is that a turkey? No, Italian. And he's just talking about the subs and Dwight's looking in and they go outside and he's informing him, Dw- Jim is informing Dwight that they've started an alliance. Yes, they and He sets the car alarm off and he's like, Livid. It's so great. It's just the the fact that they like I don't know. Jim is just it's, and then they go. Oh, and then the birthday party. Right. What's the okay? So then they go to. Oh no, Michael figures out what to write. Um, right. he asked Dwight 
for information on Meredith. And all Dwight knows is like name, birthday, <laughs> emergency contact. And then he's like, well, she had a hysterectomy. And Michael's like, well, that's that can't be funny. And, and Dwight's like, it's a little funny. <laughs> he could do something about her hysterectomy. In the, he's just so, he. it's like when you're trying, you're thinking too hard of an idea. And right. he's just like thinking too hard. He about just puts right. himself under this. Everything is his own doing. Like yeah. the stress in the office is because he talks too much. The stress about performing is because he perceives everybody to give a shit when they don't about exactly. what he says or does. Right. Because so, he's the boss. Right. And because yeah. he's, there is family and he's putting on a show exactly. and he has to help them out. The morale of the family and right. every, yes. So I had a question too. Why did Dwight choose Jim for the Alliance? And who, but I'm thinking also who else could he have chosen? But Jim is the one who, who pranks him all the time. I think he chose Jim because he views him as a threat. So he feels like consolidating power with Jim was it what enabled him to sort of best understand what's going on and that they together were stronger than apart. That's a good point because Jim is in Michael's office a lot. Michael looks to him as a number two, right. not Dwight. Correct. So that makes sense. And that he would know, like, odds are that if anybody were to know in the office what's going on, it would be one of them. And maybe he knows that Jim and Pam are close. That's So true. that it, he sort of gets Pam in the deal. <gasps> yes, because Jim does say, who knows the most about this office? Pam. Right. So because she's with Michael and she has the... She talks on the phone. She like knows every client All the calls. information goes through her. Exactly. So that... That helps. He has too. Michael's whole schedule every day. Yes. Um, so then we have Pam's idea for the alliance, like have Dwight go down during the birthday party. And Jim uh, said, This is great. All her idea. She's so great. And he smiles. Yes. So that's, you know, how much Jim loves Pam. Right. It's 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 so clear in this episode. Just like he was so happy that Dwight asked him to be in the alliance just so he could finish that conversation and go right to the reception. Yes, that's his first thought. Right. Yes. And it's like Everything that's funny at work, he shares with her, and he, you know, it just makes his day. So the the um, the part where, I mean, this whole scene of the the planning of getting the the warehouse, getting Dwight in there, is just an all time office scene. It's so great because he's in the box. They cut a hole in it, or and then so yeah, so he's in the box, and then. Um, the party's going on upstairs, and you right. can hear them singing "Happy Birthday" yes. while they're down in the in the, <laughs> the warehouse. And you have Jim, who's feigning concern about Dwight's ability to breathe and how much time. He's like, "If it'd be fake, you feel better. I'll poke holes." He's like, "Yes, yes, it would." He's like, "Okay." And then he just you see Jim just putting this duct tape all over right? this cardboard box. And you, then you see these holes being poked through by Dwight. It is just so dumb. It is so great. But this going back to when our first talks about this, like yeah. this is what. You would watch the next episode. Oh, for. absolutely! This is this is where it starts to have more color and more like the characters are, are interacting more. And you there's an actual well, there's like five storylines in this. Right. So we have um, what was that I wrote it down? Oh, uh, Oscar's charity. Yes, that's one of it. Uh, the party itself, the alliance itself, and then Michael as you know this selfish the party planning committee. We see so much in this episode. Right, and the Oscar's charity is another just oh Michael moment. Yep. Like you have Michael who doesn't look at details doesn't think things through, and more than anything, wants to be liked. Yes. So Oscar walks in, presents him with a sheet about his- um, Nephew's, Nephew's charity. charity. It's, like a, it's a walk-a-thon. Right. Like Mutt did with the charity for the Jimmy Fund. Exactly. It's still pinned. Good job, Mutt. That's right. He still has that pinned to the top of his Twitter page. It's September. We appreciate it, Mutt. It's a different year. Well, Mutt's a topical guy. Oh, so I guess next year he doesn't have to put up a new one. Right. Uh, so anyway, so- um, so Michael sees this and he sees three two dollars given by other colleagues. So he's like, "Wow, these guys are cheap. I can 
afford 25 bucks. So he writes down 25. Oscar says, wow, thank you so much. So jackpot for Michael. Right. Exactly what he's seeking. Oscar's like, thank you so much. He feels good about himself. Only, as is the case, always with Michael, for it to fly in his face. Yes, because we find out it is per mile the donation and oscar says of course that's what a -a walkathon is and then when he wants to when michael wants to rescind it oh no okay so first is the birthday party because this is where we find out about it so we see in the birthday party that they went with red streamers in the back right so not horror screen no horror screen we don't know who picked that probably angela in the end said let's just go with red she loves red yes red and we well it is the devil's color so Uh i wonder why but we uh see them in the party planning committee naming them phyllis is like well there's blue green red yeah and then (laughs) and then pam says that's when it starts when pam says how about green and then he's green oh so anyway they go back to the birthday and Meredith gets her card. Well, they're eating the cake, and Meredith says she can't eat dairy because it makes me sick. <laughs> it's her birthday party a month early. First of all, she comes back. Angela took her out somewhere so right, they could decorate. They say surprise, and she says surprise. <laughs> and, and everyone's like, no, it's surprise Meredith. She's like, what? She has great nonverbal acting. It's so she funny. She really does. She's just standing there. Her face is just like, and even when they show her earlier in the episode, they're like, that's Meredith. That's the birthday girl. Right. She's like, oh, yeah. like opening something. And so, yeah. So um, then she's she has the card. Right. The card. And Michael is so excited for everyone to hear what he wrote. And then he says, um, read what everybody wrote and say their names and who wrote it. <laughs> so she starts reading them. And it's like, Pam said, happy birthday, Meredith. You're the best. Love, right. Pam. Boring or whatever. (laughs) Right. And then um, Michael said, hopefully the only downsizing that happens is uh, downsizing your age. (laughs) Everybody's like, that's good. Everybody's like, there's going to be downsizing? (laughs) He's like, topical. (laughs) (laughs) So he's trying to boost morality. does the exact opposite. Oh, my God. And the... um the the Pam and Jim, I think, right after the birthday party, when did they do their scene when she came over and talked to him about... um, so they're sitting down, mm-hmm. or Jim's sitting down next to Dwight. Right. And Pam comes over, and she's like, I'm just really concerned about my coworkers. Oh, was that when she... Oh, yeah, she's down... Oh, wait, no, but she's down in the in the warehouse. No, no, no. This is before that. When she goes... Like, he's sitting there. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Okay, so that was... Bef- was that before the party? I don't know. Because he was in the box during the party. Right. So right before the party. Okay. This was just going back to Pam and Jim, because I wrote this down. Yes. Um, and I have really good handwriting. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful notes. <laughs> So retarded. Uh, anyway, so Pam it comes over to Jim and is like, I just have these coworkers and I'm just worried about them, but like, I don't know what to do. And D- Dwight is just sitting with his back turned like jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> jackpot. And so it like was, and, and Jim yes, is right. glowing after yes. this because he's like, that was all her. Yeah. She did that whole thing by herself and like, you that's can what totally it was. Tell. That's what it was. Okay. So that, okay. And, and the gym, and the Pam part where you can see in this episode like she's like blushing a little bit like she you can tell that it's not just from jim like oh, she's sure. so in on like being with him talking yes. to him she is into it right. he makes her days better and vice versa right. so anyway sorry. so then yes yeah, so the birthday party um yeah so then oh then oscar no and he said to boost morale i gave a very sizable donation to oscar's nephew's charity and he said 25 dollars. but he thinks that's sizable because oscar was like wow right and then everyone else gave like three dollars and then he finds out it's per mile and jim's like well i gave three and it's like probably gonna end up being like 50 bucks so i can only imagine what yours is gonna be so based on last year which his nephew walked 18 miles um, Michael will end up giving four hundred and fifty dollars. 
to this charity to boost morale. Like, he thinks that everyone will be like, wow, Michael, okay, morale is boosted in the office. And he tries to renege it. Right, exactly. And then um, Oscar says, I think it's just it's just not very classy to take money from back from a charity. And Michael <laughs> says, it's the ethics of the thing. <laughs> Well, it's just it's it's just the ethics the of the ethics thing. Ethics of the thing. He's the guy who's being completely unethical. Oh my oh, god. And then Michael has to explain his joke to Meredith. Like Meredith is like but Meredith is like, I get it. But it was, but Michael is like trying to explain it. Right, he like, thinks if he keeps going, somebody will laugh. And this is the most important thing of his day. Right. So and it's Didn't flat and it just totally comes back in his face. And then he comes up with other ones. Like was he found online? He's like, right. Oh, I had other ones about the antique shop, but then the pivotal part of this is at the end where everyone's unhappy and he says, it's not my fault. Nothing is Michael's fault. And Michael's right. like, it's not my fault that this is a disaster. No, of course not. Right, it's- and he pl- blames it on the party planning committee, on pr- anything else. He's looking around trying to blame something else. It's always in his mind, never to do with him. It was, you know, right. It was either the, the cake, you know, wasn't liked by Meredith or it's actually the office's fault that there wasn't actually a birthday around the day that he mentioned downsizing exactly. and had to boost morale. Right. But the, the, the Pam scene when she's in the warehouse on the phone, oh my God. faking that she's talking to someone about what's going on at the company and Dwight is in this cardboard box. It just flips over, over and Pam can't even keep talking. She just starts dying and runs out of great. the room. That was great too. And I, I think that was in the script, but if it wasn't, that would be great. Oh my God. That'd it, be so great. Cause it was, it was so real. Like it's so exactly real. how, when you start laughing about something and you just have to get out of the situation. I, I think that I, I I would say fifty fifty that that was either in or like I don't think for yeah. sure that that was scripted like that yeah. it looked so it did authentic. and if it was scripted she did a great job that's with true that. <laughs> Jenna right. Fisher good job <laughs> but then in the end it turns out Dwight was pranking Jim with the alliance when he said like I was uh, trying to use Jim for this um, and it's you know all of that stuff so you find out that the alliance but, but is that true because no it was with Roy. When Pam uh, and Jim are laughing about something with Dwight, and then Roy walks in, and he's like, "Well, you trying to cop a feel, Halpert?" Right. And then Dwight, and then Jim said, "No, it's the Alliance," and tries to explain, and says, "Dwight will explain it," and Dwight doesn't. Right. He's like, I have no idea. And he's like, "Well, I, I did. I feel bad about betraying Jim? No, not at all." Right. And I think that J- this is also early on. It's very even with yes. Dwight and Jim. Like they are. He's a much stronger character then we will see later on in terms of on a level with Jim like he's obviously mockable he's obviously the you know this loser who's trying to be buddies with the biggest loser right but he is more I guess wily or whatever savvy in these episodes than he is later on like he evolves into a total boob yes he's still a boob but like yes it's it's um it's interesting because you you go into this looking back on it thinking that he's just Dwight's just going to be totally abused by Jim but in the end, he exerts a little bit of power back at Jim by not having his back in that moment. Right. And was the alliance ever real? Did Dwight see that Jim is a person Michael trusts and thinks, okay, I want to take this guy down. Let's get him into an alliance and then take him down. Right. So were they thinking the same thing, I, Jim I, and Dwight? I think so. I mean, I, I think so. Or, well, obviously Jim was thinking that I'm going to totally fuck with him. Right. But I, I do think that Dwight, because there's no way that Dwight would have, entered into this even early on that he would have trusted jim right you know yeah so 
But it's so weird because he like yeah. trusts him with Pam. Right. Yes. But I wonder maybe that's part of it because he knows maybe Pam isn't a powerful person. So right. she, which I mean, in the I mean, when you think about it, she is because Michael trusts her and whatever she says, like, oh, your tie is great. And then he's like, oh, thank you. And just melts. Right. Um. So that's yeah. I wonder which was the alliance ever real. Because know. the one between Jim and Pam is. Right. If, if, if that's what the alliance is, it was certainly forged in this one. Like, they are as tight as ever in this episode. Right. And Pam tries to explain it by saying it's just off his pranks. Right. But it's more than that. It's spending time with Jim. Right. And, it's know, anything that they can get together and just talk. Exactly. Yes. So this episode kind of, I mean, not kind of, it did, uh, bring the office into the fast lane. Right. Of you the, have the party the planning show. committee, which we had never seen before. Right. You have the Pam and Jim dynamic that is growing like crazy. You have the Michael character, which is as mockable as ever. And his hair is still the same as it was in the first I know. few episodes. I'm waiting for that day where it becomes <laughs> like how it is now or was later on. <laughs> I hate like bald people. Slick it back. really bothers me. <laughs> they really, yeah, they're very annoying. Don't you just hate bald people? <laughs> they're terrible. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. So, yes. So that episode, we start to get going with this, but. Yes. And we're, we're getting closer and closer to the Dying So Much episode. Yes. Which we oh, that's our favorite. It. And we can't wait to get to that one. <laughs> but next up is Basketball. Oh, my God. Which is a great one. This I didn't one, realize that was next. This one is peak Michael being just the worst person Racist, ever. dumb. <laughs> oh, my God. Sexist with Phyllis. <laughs> Such a great episode. Yep. Um, and so, it will be in two weeks. Yes. And we will play basketball on video for this episode. <laughs> yes, we will. I'll make a three-pointer. <laughs> yeah. See you on the flippity flip. <laughs> So we will see you uh, for basketball in the next episode next week. Sick.